the Holy Spirit comes to you. You'll receive power. The power of the Holy Spirit can be with you all, whatever you are. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Peace be with you. Brothers, my sisters, we have work to do. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, so that clip you might have recognized was from the Bible miniseries that the History Channel put out a few years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's an interesting depiction, um, if not altogether accurate to what the scriptures say. Uh, We observed the ascension of Jesus just a few days ago on Thursday, uh, a festival in the church that has kind of lost the church's attention in some ways. Uh, But Martin Luther, whenever he would talk about the ascension of Jesus, um, it was always one of the main things that Jesus did for us. He, He became a human being, he died, he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. And he's coming back again. And so, uh, so that's kind of an interesting introduction. Um, a couple things I like, a couple things I didn't really like. Uh, for one thing, the two angels that Luke tells us about in Acts chapter 1 are nowhere to be seen. Um, and I kind of doubt that the disciples greeted this great mystery they had just witnessed before them with such kind of bored indifference. In fact, I know they didn't because Acts says that the two angels asked them why they were staring up into the sky with mouths agape, probably you know, a little bit of drool dripping down or something like that. Um, tell you what, will you look at your neighbor and make the face that you think the disciples made right after Jesus ascended into heaven? Can you do that for me? Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, a few of you really got into that. Looks like most of you kind of did what I usually do in those audience participation things. Like, yeah, no thanks. Um, that's all right. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's exactly how the disciples uh, looked. But there are two things I really did like about the portrayal of the ascension here. Uh, first, it didn't show Jesus rising up into the sky like a, like a rocket man or something like that. Uh, Because that's not really what the ascension is all about. Um, Even though the word ascension does mean to go up, um, and Acts does tell us that a cloud hid Jesus from the disciples' sight, um, I like how the ascension is, is shown because the ascension is about Jesus going up specifically into heaven. And heaven is not some far off place in the stratosphere. Uh, Heaven is the place where God dwells in all of his fullness. Uh, Heaven is a reality that overlaps with our reality here on earth, uh, which is something that's very important 
uh, to know, something that we'll be getting into a little bit more in just a moment. Uh, The second thing I really like about that clip, even though it's uh, not taken from Luke or Acts, is uh, Peter's line at the end. My brothers, my sisters, we have work to do. And so do we. Uh, So we're going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the message. Uh, But mainly today, as we continue our Mysteries of the Faith uh, sermon series here at Connect, I want to talk to you about two things specifically. Uh, First, the sheer mystery of Jesus' ascension and his promised return. And then second, uh, what that ultimately means for us, namely the great mystery of resurrection. So as we start to think a little bit more about the ascension of Jesus, um, an event that typically hasn't captured our attention, maybe as much as it should, we run into a bit of a puzzle. Just as Jesus has conquered death and all of his enemies, just when it looks like it's the perfect time to restore the kingdom to Israel, uh, Jesus leaves. He, He just leaves. Why? Do you remember that scene in Jurassic Park where um, the T-Rex gets loose and the attorney abandons the children in the Jeep to go and hide on the toilet and uh, that doesn't really work out so well for him after all? Um, Well, through all of this, the poor girl is just shaking and she keeps saying, he left us, he left us. Is that what Jesus' ascension was, him hightailing it out of there before the going really got tough? Well, Of course not. Uh, Jesus left us, but not to seek his own safety. Because when you rise from the dead, you never have to be afraid of anything ever again. Period. Not T-Rexes or Roman governments that are hostile to your beliefs or terrorism or even death. Now, Jesus didn't leave us in order to save himself. Instead, and here's the big mystery of the ascension. Jesus left us to ensure that he will always be with us. Remember when Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene outside the tomb in John 20? Uh, She had apparently grabbed onto him for joy, as as the women did in Matthew, we're told. And, And Jesus kind of strangely says to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. He wasn't saying to her, Come on, lady, I just rose from the dead. Give me some space here. He was saying that only by her letting go of him could he be present to her and to all of us in the greatest of ways. And here's how. When Jesus ascended into heaven, Scripture tells us that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this phrase doesn't refer to a a physical location, but to the rule and the power and the authority granted to Jesus upon his ascension. In his ascension, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God, enthroned to reign on behalf of his heavenly Father. And so with this grand coronation of the crucified and risen Son of God, this royal lamb who was slain, Jesus is now able to be present with each and every one of us. You see, the fact that Jesus is in heaven doesn't mean he is in a specific place away from earth. In fact, what it means is that he is now able to be everywhere on earth, present with each one of his people at all times, always, just as he promised to the very end of the age. It means he is interceding for us 
before the Father. It means that his rule and his reign extend to every corner of our world and of our lives. It means he is with us. Even though he left us, he's with us. He's not with us as he once was, nor as he soon will be. He is with us now in powerful ways. Do you believe that? Do you act like it's true? Or do you sometimes live like he's not here? Like it doesn't really matter how you live right now as as long as you get it right eventually. Like a kid whose parents are away on vacation figuring you'll clean up the house in time before they get home. We're all guilty of this at different times and in different ways, but it's a grave mistake, both because Jesus' ascension means that he is always with us and means that he's coming back soon. John writes in Revelation chapter 1, Behold, he's coming on the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. In his vision, John sees the fulfillment of the angel's promise to the disciples. You might remember that in Luke 24, uh, two men in white robes had asked the women at the tomb, why do you seek the living among the dead? Well, in Acts chapter 1, two men in white robes asked the disciples a rhetorical question. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? In Luke 24, the two men had told the women that Jesus had risen from the dead. In Acts 1, the two men tell the disciples that Jesus will come again. Here's what I believe we are to make of this clear parallel in Luke's two writings. The promise of Jesus' return is every bit as certain as his resurrection. His ascension means that he is coming back. So while the scriptures do advise us in a lot of places uh, to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things, and to live as citizens of heaven and strangers and exiles on the earth as it is now, at the same time, the scriptures also teach us not simply to stand looking up into heaven and forget about the earth. After all, Jesus is coming back here, so it must be pretty important. And when Jesus comes back to earth... What's he going to do? That question leads us into our our second great mystery for today, the resurrection. As we heard earlier, Paul speaks of this incredible promise by saying, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. We shall be changed. As Paul says, this is a great mystery of the faith. And it's a mystery that the church has confessed together in in all of its creeds, really from the very beginning. And the scriptures themselves speak of it all over the place. Um, If you'll get out your connect insert, it has the sermon outline on one side. Um, On the other side, I've listed over a dozen passages for you to take home with you today. And uh, these passages speak about the resurrection of the body, the new heavens and the new earth that God's promised us. I'd ask you to take that home and and look that over this week. Um, As you do that, I think you'll find that there's quite a bit that we know about the resurrection of the body, much more uh, than we've maybe given God's word credit for revealing to us. For instance, God tells us quite plainly that when Jesus returns, he will raise us from the dead. 
that we will get our bodies back, but that he will make them new and forever free from disease and pain and corruption. We know, as Luther puts it in his large catechism, that we will come forth gloriously and arise in a new eternal life of entire and perfect holiness. Scripture tells us that we will live in our newly restored bodies forever with God in his new heavens and new earth, that God will free us and all of his creation from its bondage to decay, that we will join together in a sumptuous and eternal feast with him and with one another. And perhaps best of all, we know that when we rise from the dead, we will never have to be afraid of anything ever again, period. But this isn't to say that God has told us everything, not yet. There's still much we don't know, which I suppose is part of why Paul calls the resurrection a mystery. Uh, My dad, who's a pastor out in Oregon, uh, likes to talk about it in this way. Uh, He says it's it's like you're sailing in a ship, in, in the hull of a ship, as you're coming into port, and all you can see as you approach land um, is what you can make out through your, your tiny, foggy porthole. Um, you can see some, but, but not all, probably not even most. There's a mystery to what awaits you right up until you're able to, to get out at your final destination and, and fully live in it and, and take it all in. In college, uh, Emily and I were able to go on a choir trip to Hawaii, and whenever I fly, I always want to sit at the window uh, for all sorts of reasons. I was especially hoping for that on this particular trip, uh, but unfortunately, I got stuck on the aisle um, so that I could have my shoulder bashed into by the the cart, you know, several times on the flight, uh, which was nice in and of itself, but um, I was really looking forward to, to seeing Hawaii from the air. And uh, so as we approached Oahu, everybody was, you know, staring out their windows just in in wonder. And all I could catch was just a quick glimpse of what awaited me. And uh, it turned out that that was all right, uh, because it got me excited for what was to come. And um, I found that that everything I didn't know uh, from not having a window seat really didn't matter in the end when I stepped off the plane and into the bright Hawaiian sun. A couple of chapters uh, before 1 Corinthians 15, uh, this famous resurrection chapter that I listed in its entirety on your Connect insert that uh, maybe you could spend some time in this week. Uh, But in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul puts it this way. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. When Paul says we will see God face to face, it isn't just some slick expression that he's using. He means it. God means what he says when he promises that Jesus is coming back to raise us from the dead. And we know this especially, not just because God tells us, but because God raised Jesus from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. All of this is promised to us because Jesus took on a human body for us and was crucified for our sake. He died, he was buried, and then he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And there he sits with God and with us. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead, whom he will raise to life. 
Now, all of this is really wonderful, this promise of eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But what difference does it make right now? It's nice to know about what's coming in the end, what we have to look forward to. It's, it's a good thing to have a fuller biblical understanding of the ascension of Jesus and God's ultimate promise of resurrection. But does it make a difference in our lives right now? Paul would certainly say so. After spending 57 verses in 1 Corinthians 15 talking about the promise of our resurrection, Paul ends with this. Can we read this together? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Therefore means, in light of everything you've learned about how Jesus is going to come back and raise you from the dead, here's how you should live. Therefore means, to borrow a phrase from our last sermon series, the resurrection effect starts now. Therefore means, my brothers, my sisters, we have work to do. We are those who have been sent by the risen Jesus to proclaim what he has done. We've been placed in this world by its creator to live our lives in a way that brings him glory. We've been given mouths to speak and lives to profess that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. So my brothers, my sisters, may we be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain, because our Lord who ascended into heaven will come in the same way we saw him go into heaven. He will raise the dead. And give us life with him forever. To him be the glory. Amen. Now may the mysterious peace of God which transcends our understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Next week, uh, we continue our series as we celebrate the day of Pentecost uh, when God set the world on fire with his Holy Spirit.